Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. To episode 102 of the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for July 4th weekend. It's actually Monday, July 3rd when we're recording this, 2017. He's Ian Ferguson. I am. I am Pat Conchie. We got an awesome show lined up for you. I'm trying to be as enthusiastic as I can because I'm tired. Yeah. Ian's tired too. Hell, we're, we're both real tired today. This is why, you know, we, we, we're we trying to switch to record on like a like afternoon, morning. It's a lot easier, but... We want to enjoy our 4th of July. We're, we're very patriotic fellows. We're going to be cooking burgers and dogs and shooting off fireworks and blowing up off fingers with M80s and whatever else is American. We're going to be doing that probably tomorrow. I just want to drink beer and grill. Or, or that. Um, so we'll be talking about the SNES Classic Edition announced. Yes, we record this podcast twice a month. Don't fret. Sure, we're, it's not we're behind. Yeah, I know, we're guys. behind, but you want to hear we, our opinion is a lot better than anyone else's. That's why you're waiting for ours. Guys, don't take it seriously. It's sarcasm, but it's also true. Yeah. And we're talking about uh, <laughs> Sega Forever. Always oh, Sega. The SNES Hyperkin Mouse. That's interesting. Ron Howard, the new director of Han Solo, First Blood. Um, a scumbag solver of the week. Uh, Q&A plus your Patreon special Q&A segment. Ian, what's been going on in, in Fergusonville? Um, well. 102 episodes of this shit. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Like a hundred, it's like yeah, hundreds. Now it's now I'm just tired of it. Want to just leave. <laughs> but the problem is, is now we've got. We need to do. I would say, at least fifteen more. At least twenty five more total. To, twenty to justify the awesome theme song we now have. That's exactly <laughs> where I was going with this. We have to justify the theme song, or CFOs will kill me. Um. So, uh, I'm going to see an allergy specialist on July sixth. That's very exciting. Is that on top of the NES you have? Uh, ACNES? Yeah, yeah. Um, which is conditioned, folks, not just the fact that he owns an NES. We all do. Uh, yeah, because I don't think this had happened the last time um, we had, had done a podcast. Uh, I was in the emergency room twice again in 24 hours. That's fantastic. For uh, an allergy, supposedly due to ibuprofen, because my shitty specialist over basically overprescribed it to me and while I wasn't taking it as much as he had told me to I was still it was the only course so, of action he was it's an, suggesting it's an analogy because which is great just just numb the pain with some you know fucking kill my liver with you know yeah. uh you know the ibuprofen yeah it's fantastic and aspirin wouldn't do the same job i guess or uh, uh aspirin actually they told me uh is a no no as as well uh, really, all I can take for pain now is uh, acetaminophen. Okay. Um, but I still, I mean, I'm doing it right now. Uh, I'm breaking out in a, a minor case of hives. That's because you're just allergic to me, though, at this point. Well, yeah, that too. Um, 
So, I mean, this is less worse than it was, but anyways, yeah, I gotta go see an allergy specialist, and then I gotta go find a new gut specialist. <laughs> that should be the name. When I graduate from medical school, I want to be a gut specialist. Yeah, not, not gastrointestinal, uh, gastrointestinal, just just a gut specialist. However, I have been finding that um, some very light massage, now that I've really located the trigger points, can oh. numb the pain for about 10 minutes at a time, which is a long enough window to get some stretching, and I haven't noticed any real benefit from that, but it's a start, so I'm trying to be optimistic. Stretching on your ball, not ball stretching. Change the, the moni- moniker to stretching. I'm stretching on the, on the ball, on not the ball. doing ball stretches. <laughs> um, other than that, um, I've been playing the uh, Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy. Is it good? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I, I saw it on Twitter, or, or it was a it was a moment where people said, "Was Crash Bandicoot always this hard?" Was yes. Like, yeah. Has it always been that hard? I mean, Crash Bandicoot One was pretty difficult, but all my friends sat down and passed the controllers around and hundred percented it after school. You know, like like you do, uh, you know, because it's a video game. And uh, Crash Bandicoot two and three are there. We had it, and damn it, we liked it. I just, I wish people would stop fucking comparing everything to Dark Souls. It's like you're creatively bankrupt. Mega Man two is, is Dark Souls. You all suck. Just because at that's a difficult, difficult uh, game. Um, and then um, we talked about it a while ago on the podcast, ages ago. But uh, Super Russian Roulette. Uh, oh fuck yeah! That was one of the, f- the most excited we be- we ever were. We see. We okay, so fucking I'm not, excited for this. I'm not trying to trash here the the NES homebrew community. I, no. I can see the fucking forum post coming up on a, on a, my favorite website. But it is bereft of a lot of the, truly creative ideas. The the issue the issue I see sometimes is they're not trying to use the NES and gameplay in a slightly different creative way we haven't seen before. Right. And Super Russian Roulette it's a, it's a new zapper game. But it's also a really weird party game. Yeah. And uh, I, I do want to talk about it a little bit. Um, this is well, not... Just real quick. It, it, it's not sponsored. This isn't a sponsor. We did a whole segment on it you can go and look, look at. Well, yeah, but I've played it consistently over the past three days. He was nice enough to send us a copy. Yeah. And uh, that was super nice of um, Andrew uh, Raitano. Um, I keep hoping I get his last name correctly, but it, it, it's fun. And as he put it, cause I, I've been in contact with him. It's incredibly polished. There's so much stuff to see in the game. So many idle animations. There's like what? 10 minutes so, of speech. Uh, it's like nine minutes of speech. Eight and, megabit cartridge. And a ton of like idle animations and different little things, ways you can piss off the cowboy to get him to just straight up kill you instead of you killing yourself. I, I, I don't want to get into a lot of them because that's the fun. That's the spoilers. It's, it's a Russian roulette game if you, but, if you haven't figured it out. I, I do want to state that last night I was playing with uh, a couple of friends. And, yeah, it's best with some that's beers and stuff. But real quick, when the cowboy dies first, all the music cuts out and the cowboy's just dead on the table, the game takes a substantially so fucking dark. darker turn oh. when there's no music, and it's just you and your friends sitting in a circle passing a gun around. So oh my God. I keep I keep finding new things. But literally, I, I had to bring it up, because yes, what I've been doing, and I've played it three times in like the four or five nights I've had the cartridge, so it, that's been a lot of fun, too. Jeez, now it was going to kill me. There are good NES homebrews out there. there no, was, there are. There's the, the, what was it? What was it? The Halloween 85 and 86 haunted ones. Yeah. Are good little and, and, beat em ups. For what it is, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not going to trash Battle Kid. Battle Kid was oh, fun. That was, was like the first one yeah, of the very, modern era. It was very well done. 
Um, and yeah, there is good um, stuff. There's out that there. one someone someone sent me. Uh, someone actually someone someone just sent me one. That I got a trial. It's good, but I, I can't comment on it yet. But there was that one that was sent to us. I don't know if we played it where it was actually like almost like a a, a almost not a real time. It was a real it was it was, like a, it was a, a turn based strategy game like medieval. Oh yeah, yeah, no cool. that that was cool. Um, so yeah, before you kill me, there are good ones, but. This one tickled my dark humor funny bone. Okay. So I went to, uh, uh, first of all, Ian, uh, did, did you did you see, uh, you love Pixel Dan. We all love Pixel Dan. I do love Pixel did Dan. Did you listen to the Not So Common podcast with, with me and Pixel Dan, our conversation Not about yet, no. toys and stuff? Check that out. Uh, I was at Too Many Games. Thanks to everyone who came out and said hi to me. Um, fortunately, this year, I didn't have to deal with a drunk YouTuber uh, trying to claim that I cost him his YouTube career for some fucking weird reason because he had beer strength and it was really, really fucking awkward. Didn't have to deal with that this year. That's good. There's always other awkwardness at too many games that happened to you one year, it happened to me last year at Wars. But that's fine. Other than the awkwardness with, with YouTubers that we have a problem with, it was a good event. It was a fun event. Was it? I missed Sorry. it. You missed it. We'll see in the future. Um, <laughs> he takes a shot. Um, but I went to the Jersey Shore. Was the first time I went back since two thousand and uh, Jesus fucking Christ, uh, t- two thousand and twelve was which was the year before Superstorm Sandy, and then the year after that was the which did more damage. The, the important part I'll get to was that the fire started at Coors Ice Cream that destroyed two whole blocks of Seaside Heights amusements and boardwalks, and unfortunately, part of the two blocks was Flashbacks Arcade, which was the last remaining like old school uh, arcade in all of New Jersey. And I, I made it a point in my two uh, Path the Indies Punk Jersey Shore videos where I go back that and document every fucking machine. So go and watch that because now that's a historical relic. Uh, like the light gun machine where you shoot the owl and the guy playing the piano creepily. But they had, I don't know, 80 classic arcade games, 35 to 40 pinball machines, all fucking gone. An old carousel all burnt away. So that I literally cried when I saw the board. I, we approached from Seaside Park on the south side, so I got it over with right away. But either way, it was great. I played the uh, Frog Bog. Hadn't done that in 20 years. First shot, got it, and I won a couple of these guys you see here. Nice. Oh, no, I, I won this uh, this nerdy pencil that I won on a, on a somehow legal uh, wheel that's somehow legal. I'm, I, I still don't know how it's legal. It's, it's, it's a game of chance. It's absolutely a game of chance for money. That aside, I had a fun <laughs> time. I checked out the New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, G1 special, which was live on Saturday on um, Access TV. It was two nights. We did Saturday and Sunday. I think Sunday night uh, is replayed on Friday. But spoilers, my pal Kenny Omega won. Don't do that. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) He won the New Japan Pro Wrestling inaugural. They had a tournament for the U.S. Championship, and he won it. So good on him. Fan of the podcast, fan of a certain NES guidebook. Um, (laughs) And other than that, uh, there's there's that uh, Ultimate game Game Guide for NES. Uh, app is almost at 1.3, and that'll come out. Ian. Yes, sir. We are so late on this news. But you know who who spoke about this last week? That wacky Pat the NES Punk spoke about the SNES Classic Edition, or the Super Nintendo Classic Edition, if you want to call it that. But not the SNES. Not the SNES, because you don't fucking call it the SNES or NES. That's a, that aside. You know why you don't call it? I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it. Um, you don't call it the for GameCube. It's GameCube GC. Anyway, so um, were you surprised at the, this announcement in terms of the breadth and scope of the 21 games? We had p- tried to predict this, remember, last year, what games could possibly be on a Super Nintendo Classic Edition, and we thought it'd be 30 games. 
we were wrong there. We thought, you know, they did they did twenty plus plus a bonus, which we'll get into. But we were pretty on point with most of the selections there. Not that we're geniuses, but we figured you need to get your bread and butter titles in there. Um, were we were we spot on? Not spot on. People are going to kill us for that. We were pretty accurate in terms okay. of what what you had to get. I, I, on I don't reca- uh, recall. I actually. Let's go. Well, you want to run through the titles? Super Mario World, Super Mario Kart, Zelda: Link to the Past, F Zero. Super uh, Super Metroid, no-brainers. Uh, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, we called for that. Super Punch-Out, Super Castlevania 4, a, a Donkey Kong Country, you get the first one. The Mega Man X, Kirby Superstar, a, a Final Fantasy, we said, you get Final Fantasy 3. Kirby's Dream Course, I don't know if we called for that one, but that's not that's a fine that's choice. That's a damn good game. Star Fox, of course. Uh, Yoshi's Island, why not? Uh, Super Mario RPG, it's a first-party title, right? You, you, you know, it's not. You, oh. Squaresoft developed it. Well, Nintendo published that, though, right? Uh... uh I yeah, but I'm but at the very least, uh, I mean, it makes sense because fire fi- they got the license from Final Fantasy three or from uh, SquareSoft. Contra three, three, Secret of Mana, uh, Earthbound, which I remember the time saying that I don't think that would make it. I think that's not mainstream enough, but it made it. Earthbound got in there. It's definitely mainstream uh, enough at this point. At, at this point, but not when it came out. I would argue, and then they got the hard on for Ghosts and Goblins because you got Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Uh, coming on there, but that's be- I'd rather have that than Ghosts and Goblins on the NES Classic Edition. Yeah, I mean, I you know. think that's definitely. A g- I mean, at least from where I sit, that's a game that people always look for for the system. Um, I think the selection of games is is knockout, and and that's from a person who, I mean, there's no filler. The NES Classic had some filler. I had a few titles that you could say because was filler. This has absolutely no filler. I would say. probably not play Donkey Kong Country. That's yeah. about it. Sure, but that's still an iconic title. You yeah, it is. It you you would have to put it on there, and I realize a lot of people would be upset if that wasn't on there. Um, but that's personally probably the only one I wouldn't play. Um, honestly, I, I also probably these days wouldn't touch many of the RPGs for time reasons, but they would be games I would be tempted to play. Sure, you, but these are like, you have to put one of the Final Fantasies that gets on there. Right? No, and, and, Final- and you put you put six on there, or three, or whatever you want three to call Three slash it. six, sure. And then, um... Like I said, the Earthbound surprised me a little bit, but now it's it's gotten bigger since the, the cult following has gotten bigger since you know it first was released. Uh, I'm I am surprised uh, that there's no uh, I don't count Punch Out as a sports game. I'm surprised they didn't just throw in something like Super Tennis, something that's like you know a lot of people had it. It was one of those early titles. Super Tennis and is it's a fun. fun and it's a fun game. Or, or you know? I'm I'm actually surprised that uh, the original N- NCAA. That, that, but it's cause, that but probably because I, it has NCAA in the name. Yeah, yeah. plus plus those the, 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 that and like Stanley Cup hockey. You try actually playing oh, those. Stanley Cup hockey is miserable. It's just, yeah. but like Super Tennis. I remember like you if you got the Super Tennis early, like that was like their go to sports title because it was fun and arcadey kind of. But you, obviously, but still you, couldn't do, you couldn't do Ken Griffey because of like no. But Super Batter Up would have been pretty fun too. Not as ubiquitous as, as Ken Super Griffey tennis. though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or Super Tennis. That that surprised me. Uh, they upped the price to $80, which makes perfect sense because people said, oh, they're not making the NES Classic Edition anymore because they're not making any money on it. Well, now they're making money on it because it's $20 more. I so wish that's they pure profit. I wish they would have thrown Kirby's Dreamland 3 in there just to finish up the Kirby, or at least the... Um, that's a tough game to find, and it's expensive. Um, my question is, along with that $80, yeah, it does come with two... Two controllers. I think that alone right there is 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 worth well, it. Well, 
you couldn't find the extra controller. Right, exactly. Yes, you, so, can, yes, you can use a classic controller, classic so, controller pro, but you, if you wanted a second one, you couldn't fucking find bump it. Bump the price up 20 bucks. They were scalping the second controllers for more 50, than $20. 50 70 so the, the value there, I think, is built into the box. And, and plus, plus, when you look at it, an NES title in Virtual Shop was, what, $5 usually? Yes. And Super Nintendo's like, what, 7 or 8 7.99. So even by that, 8 times 20, 20 games is $160. And if you all, want to go that route. Also, you have to look at the fact that you are getting one, two, three, four, five. I mean, if you count the hack and slashes, five meaty RPG, uh, three three RPGs, traditional RPGs, and two hack and slashes. You're getting a lot more depth per game in this in this bundle versus NES Classic because yes. NES Classic you only you only get Final Fantasy one. You get more pick up and play titles in the NES Classic. In this, this is you're like, getting longer and deeper games. This you're getting like the, the whole like meat and potatoes of the system. Yeah, and it's entirely. And we spoke about it before. It's it's a good thing that Nintendo, um, like you get the Super Mario RPG. Uh, yes, they didn't develop it, but it's a Mario title. Mm-hmm. So Nintendo has a, they have a, at least some leverage there to bring that game out again. Um. But yeah, I'm, I'm just again shocked about that. But about about no sports title at all. That to me is kind of weird how they couldn't like throw a super tennis on just for shit and giggles. But I think it's because their most iconic ones um, are licensed, licensed. Sure. I just said for a bonus, like why not? Like have one sports title. But whereas Tecmo was iconic and didn't have any real licenses attached to it that they needed to worry about. Well, they got rid of the player names, which made it kind of weird to play. But then you have the first time ever. Never before released, unless you played the ROM or got one of those shoddy uh, repro cards, Star Fox 2. See, that to me is is not worth the price of admission, but if you had any quibbles at all, because I've seen people bitch about this already saying, well, it's not worth the value, I don't know how, because in cartridge form, these games would cost you, what, $600, $500 to get all these, uh, roughly? Uh, there's a lot of $30, $40 titles in here. Earthbound's still a $200 title. Uh, alone, Mega Man X is a fifty dollars title now, right? Forty. Uh, Castlevania 35. four. Castlevania four is what? what? Forty. Uh, Super Metroid forty to fifty. Uh, fifty probably. Link to the past forty bucks. Eh, Super Mario. 30. Super Mario Kart twenty twenty five. So you have 25, a twenty five thirty. Okay. Yep. okay. I mean, I'm just saying, like, it adds up. I, I'm now just wondering if we're behind the curve on price. <laughs> we could be. People, I'm sure people will be. Uh, but are you excited about that bonus? I was surprised they did this. Um, that's worth uh, the price of admission to me alone because. I love the concept of Star Fox, but I feel like the games got too fucking convoluted as they went on. Okay. And I would love to play a simpler Star Fox again. Well, I'm not sure how simple this is compared to the first one. If you've actually seen the gameplay. No, I have. But I, I, I still would like to play what they intended to truly be the sequel to sure. the game. And, and people, people can't pass judgment because the ROM out there, was I don't think, was ever finished. Like, it's a finished game, but, like, I don't think they ever put it through its entire paces where it's like, all right, let's... Right, but it has it. been confirmed that they did not go back and finish this game. This is actually finished oh. back then. They didn't do any... No extra shit? There's, okay. They didn't do any finishing. The game was finished back then. They just never released it. Oh, okay. So this is... I, I, I'm excited for that. Um, and it... Honestly, this is more appealing... It's funny because, like I said, I've, I've never been a huge Super Nintendo fan, but this is more appealing to me than the NES Classic was because I don't buy any Super Nintendo games. The Super Nintendo games that are in mine and Vani's apartment are hers. 
we have a Super Nintendo, but even the few games that I want, I very, or that I do have a couple, um, but I rarely hook up the Super Nintendo to play them. This is a really good list of games that I would probably, if available, buy most of on the Virtual Console. I'm not going to go out of my way for this, but I would actually probably be more tempted to pick one of these up if I actually see it and walk by it in a store than I would be the NES Classic. Well, the good news is that Nintendo sort of learned their lesson on this because they've come out... Well, they've come out and said, unlike with the NES Classic, this is going to be a limited release. It's only going to be this year, September through December. So that's like... All right, you at least gave us that heads up, assholes, because last time you didn't. Sorry, you're not assholes, Nintendo. Don't kill me. Don't send your hit, hit squad after me. But uh, but they at least gave us the heads up, because before they're like, well, we never intended the NES Classic to be, uh, you know, a full time release. Well, they never said that, so we didn't. So you can't just p- pull the you know pull the rug out from under under, right. under us. But and they also said they're going to make significantly more. But who the hell knows what that means? Because it's not like they made uh, what what was the NES Classic? They made like they shipped two million of them only. So significantly more can mean three. They, they made two million of them. I find that even hard to believe. That's what I thought. Numbers. I'll look it up again. Uh, but significantly more can be three and a half, and that's still not enough. You need to make like ten. No, they million. didn't. They didn't even come anywhere cl- close. I mean, that's what I mean, though. But significantly, doubling it is not more. They yeah. They they really need to. That's what I mean. Significantly more can mean if you if you want to look at statistics, that can mean fifty percent more. Significantly more, still not enough. If they make three million, that's not enough. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not. So, um, let's talk about the controller ports. I'm a little disappointed there. I'm a little disappointed that they're flipped down and you, you plug in the regular c- connections. With the NES, you can get away with it because it, it blended better with sure. the controller ports. So, eh, it bothers me a little bit. But then again, I guess they don't want to have it entirely where you just plug it in there and then you have that you don't have that little semi-iconic little grid, you know, yeah. oval grid uh, uh, port there. But yeah, again, though, you don't have to look for a fucking con- an extra controller because that worked horribly the first time. Yeah. They made like 2% of the amount of second controllers versus the system. Like, it was just awful. Um, so the Japanese games are a little bit different as they were with the NES Classic Edition. Uh, besides it looking like the Famicom, the same as the Super Nintendo PAL version. You know what's funny about that, though? What? I'm looking at it. Is, I, I mean, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. There are significantly less interesting two-player games on the, the Super Nintendo Mini. Are there really? Oh, well, I mean, you got, you got your alternating Super Mario World Kart? and your Mario Kart, but F-Zero is single-player. Uh, Everyone forgets Street that. Street Fighter 2 is a huge one. Yes, uh, it is. Yeah, then you're running out of steam. Right? And, then, and then you start to run out of steam. Yoshi's Island. Uh, Dream Course Contra. Two, two-player Contra. Uh, and Secret of Mana is big for the multiplayer. Okay. You're but, right, though. I mean, but in still, terms of, it's only Yeah, it's not the same. It's it's funny, but I think but I think Street Fighter Two alone will sell it to the casual crowd. That that alone will do it. And it's Turbo, if I'm not mistaken, yes, it is. which is my favorite version of oh, the yeah. system. But it's different in Japan, though, which is interesting. I actually didn't look into what was different in Japan. Uh, this is what's different. All right, so in Japan, you get Contra Three, Donkey Kong Country, F Zero, Final Fantasy Six, which is three. Then you get Fire Emblem. No, that's big for over there. And you get Legend of the Mystical Ninja, which is obviously a much bigger series. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, still a good game here. Yeah. Um, Kirby Superstar Mega Man X, Panel de Pan, which is what Tetris Attack. That's Tetris Attack. Yeah. So that's interesting. That's a really good game. So that's too. the glaring thing. There was no puzzle game. In yeah, the I might have. I mean, but it, it's tough with such a good list of games. What would you swap out? Okay, 
Then it gets a little stranger. Okay, you get Secret, Secret of Mana, Star Fox 1 and 2. Then you get Super Soccer. So you get your... Exactly. They could have put that on the U.S. one. That was a fairly big game here, Super Soccer. Uh, but to put it on the, the Japanese console is kind of strange to me. I think that's a waste of space. Uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Mario Kart, Mario RPG, both Mario Worlds, Super Metroid, uh, Legend of Zelda. Then instead of Street Fighter 2 Turbo, you get Super Street Fighter 2, which I think is very interesting. I'm not sure if that was bigger in Japan than here. It must have been. Um, Super Street Fighter 2 is a great game, but I just think that I don't know if it was... I don't know what rele- when it was released in the U.S., but I just feel like that when people think of Super Nintendo in the U.S. and Street Fighter, they think of Turbo. You're not getting Kirby's uh, Dream Course. You're just getting Superstar. You are not getting uh, Earthbound. Um, and you are not getting... Okay, so that's a huge omission, I think, for a lot of people. Let's see. I think most people would take Earthbound over Fire Emblem. What the, what the hell's replaced for Super Soccer? What the fuck did they swap out for that? I'm trying to see what they well, swap I'd take, out. Well, I'd take Kirby over... Uh, I'd take Kirby uh, Dream Course over Super Soccer. So, oh, I think... Okay, anyway. It's hard to compare back and forth like that, but anyway. So, uh, 80 bucks. I think uh, that's a fine price point. I think they could have got away with the Super Nintendo Classic. Assuming the NES Classic at 80 bucks, and I would have been okay with that. Even with one controller. But the two controllers kind of makes it all right. Um, so, September 29th. So, they're going to get it in stock way before... Black Friday and Christmas season this time to try to, you know, massage it into people's homes. And this is my massage movement. Yeah. Here. All right. Anything else to say about this? Or are you excited about it? You're going to get the Japanese one because it looks cute and cool. No, like I said, I am. Um, I, I, I'm not necessarily going to go actively out of my way for it. But if they do stock well enough and I happen to see one, yeah, I'll probably grab it and play it. Yes. It'll it'll satisfy my random SNES urges. Alright, Sega Forever. I think this is a fairly interesting concept. Um, So, Sega is on an extraordinarily um, daunting quest to release every single game they've ever made. Uh, Sega published. uh, Yeah, Sega published. Okay. Yeah, they've made. um, That they've published... Uh, spanning all of their consoles. Including onto, the SG-1000, which no one knows about in North America, which I think is funny. Onto um, mobile platforms, uh, I believe iOS and Android. Um, they've already started. Uh, I believe the first one was actually, a l- unless only certain people got it into their hands, uh, was actually last week with uh, Fantasy Star 2, because I heard people talking about it online. So this is this is an app. Yes. Well, no. They release them. It's it's a name that you can search. It's not an app. You can search under the um, you can search Sega Forever, and it brings up all the games under the Sega Forever. I'm going to search right now. Okay. And uh, you can download the games for free. Son- Sonic, Sonic, Altered Beast, Kid Chameleon, Fantasy Zone, and Comic Zone. These are um, simple. ROM emulations, and apparently the emulation currently is not fantastic. There were people complaining about uh, Fantasy Star 2 last week. I'm going to get it right now and try it while we, while we do this. Fuck it. All right. I'm going to get okay, I, I'm sure in an RPG you'll, you'll, you'll find it very quickly. Um, I think it's a rather cool idea. Um, even if the emulation is not great, which they could always fix, because it allows people to 
Go on, Ian. Tate, I'm just wondering why you're not turning the volume down. Um, I want, this is a live review. It's a Let's Play great. on the podcast. Um, it allows people to taste, I mean, any game they want to from Sega's library. Um, now, obviously, this is going to be a very long project. They said not to expect Saturn games for at least two weeks or two years. Um, but it'll be interesting to but see if they can actually do it. What? I'm just saying, Saturn games on your iPhone or Android phone? Yeah. Okay, that's that seems ambitious. Plus, those games are big, aren't they? You can get Crazy Taxi on your phone right now. How big are these? That's on the Dreamcast. How big are these for your phone? Big. Okay, all right. Hope you got that 32 gig or 64 gig phone. All right. Anyways, uh, I, well, like some don't of them... chastise me. That's that's something to be concerned with. Some people still have eight or tw- or t- sixteen gig phones. I mean, yes, that's true. But I'm just saying, a CD is 750 megabytes, roughly. Great. That's that's one uh, one thirty second of a 32 gig phone. That that's big to me. Yes, for a game. But people right. have been downloading Grand Theft Auto. On don't give me shit. Go forever. on, Ian. I'm just saying this is don't not Don't fucking new. give me shit. It makes sense that argument. Go on. Anyway, five years ago. Um. I'm just saying, people have been doing it forever. All right, trying to sign into Game Center. Okay. So, anyways, I think this is a very interesting idea. Um, at the very, and I think it works because they're doing it on mobile. So, this is not the ideal way to play a lot of platformers, um, a lot of action games. It gets people interested in the properties. It gets people looking for them on other platforms where they may pay for them. In theory. Yeah, in theory. But if you can't play the game on your phone properly, is that enough of a tease for you to go and get get it on the? Okay, we've console? talked about emulation before. Back in the day, you couldn't play all the games properly on emulators in the '90s, and it caused us to go out and seek out games. Oh, you could play them properly pretty fucking quickly with your your Gravis gamepad. You could play them properly. Not it wasn't for the initial. Genesis. We're talking the NES. Yeah, but that's that's a that's not the the Apple ID you entered couldn't be found or your password was incorrect. It's amusing to me that you're so anti this, and we did talk about. I'm not anti this. I'm just saying. When have I? First of all, me and you are not anti emulation. I hate when people say we are, but I'm anti trying to play classic games on your phone because it sucks dick. Right, playing them on your phone. It's fucking terrible. Yes. But it so, could get you interested in checking out the game on another platform like Steam, where they release them for ultra cheap. How okay? With the ability to mod like. Infinitely. How many people are going to go that are aware that Comic Zone exists as a game and and already don't have it as a, either a ROM or a cartridge are going to go download it on the phone first to see if they like it and then go back and try to get it in an actual playable format? Or just for free to fuck with it? Why not? It's an act of goodwill on Sega's part. Why not okay. do it? Okay. I mean, I don't see what's wrong with that here. I mean, it, it, I, it's free Sega games. Okay. It's not ideal. But the other thing is, is for, for, for their games like RPGs, it doesn't matter. RPGs play fine on a phone. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, you're fine with that. But that's, like, going to be 2% of the games. So, I mean... I okay, well, I, I mean, I have nothing well, more to say. Well, fuck it, because I can't log in. It's not accepting my login. Because I know I'm not... Please enter your age. Oh, that's weird. I, I just did log in. I am. Anyways, I have nothing 20, more to say about this. I, I think it's a neat idea. Years old. Here, Sonic would like to send you notifications. Don't allow. Okay, so the login didn't work, but I still got in here. I just want to. I just want to play. Try to play Sonic. Like if I can't play Sonic, I can't play any game on here. Just about right. Press start. The cartridge comes out. Add supported play for free or buy for one ninety nine. Yes, I'm. I yeah, I know. 
It's still every game for free. Interesting that they show the uh, Mega Drive version of the game, Cartridge, which actually looks better than ours. And now a 30-second ad of Terminator on the phone. Yes. You watch a 30-second ad, there's and then ter- you play the Terminator game for ad. free. Okay. Well, I've got to play this while we do this, so let's go on on here. So uh, so, so, what is the frequency of release going to be on these games? Every two weeks. Now, the top ten games we want to see, this is off of uh, Metro uh, UK. They want to see Streets of Rage. That'll get on there. Revenge of Shinobi, of course. Gunstar Heroes. Well, they need to get the get the rights to that, right? Uh, Jet Set Radio. They published it. Oh, they did. Okay. Uh, yeah, they published Gunstar Heroes. It was made by Treasure, but they published it. Uh, Panzer Dragoon. Panzer Dragoon Saga is going to be the extraordinarily tough one because they don't have the source code anymore. Everyone wonders why there's no ports. It's because they lost the source code. So that one's going to be legitimately difficult to do. Now it's saying, uh, open this page in the app store. What? Download app. What? I just downloaded. What the fuck is this? It's like. I don't know. Maybe you should have figured this out beforehand. This is going to quickly become. It's a trying to get core. me. It's trying to trick me into playing Terminator Genesis Future War. Okay. How do I get past that? Okay. Exit. Okay. Here we go. New game. Here we go. All right. Uh, Shining Force Three. I'm not familiar with the Shining Force games that much. I never really played them. Uh, oh, you can play as Sonic, Tails, or Knuckles. I want to play as Tails. He's not unlocked. Got to play as Sonic. All right. Let's see what this looks like. I just okay. want to see what the joystick thing on the right. The it's left probably is. going to be awful, like every okay. other mobile platforming game. I don't okay. know what you're expecting to be different. I'm not expecting to be different. I don't know why you give me so much fucking shit when I just want to see how this plays. <laughs> I'm not sure why you give me shit. This is the most shit you've given me on a topic in a while. Okay, the left side, you got a little control. Okay, because you don't understand right. the appeal of. I understand the appeal. I'm just saying it's a little misguided. That's all. It's a lot of work for not a lot of gain. Is all I'm saying, Ian. You know what? It's a nice move. It's a, okay. it's a nice thing for Sega to do. You know what? So far, this isn't awful. It's in widescreen, which is interesting, but that that like, it's but it's not stretched out, which is cool. It's overly ambitious. I think is the biggest. Well, problem. yes, this is that's this, the largest. There's no problem. way in hell you're going to see every Sega game on here. No, there's just no fucking way. They're going to run out of steam after a year when they realize that hey, we're not making any money off of this. This is not worth the time to do this. And, and that I could agree with 100. percent I just don't think there's a problem with you know what? Trying. You know what? Screw you, Ian, because I'm going to be positive. This is not controlling as bad as I thought it would. There you go. This is not the joystick is not awful. It's only. Black. When we were on the phone earlier, like it's gonna be crap. They're devaluing their game. Hey, don't. Et cetera, et cetera. Hey, hey, hey! Don't pull the curtain back. <laughs> this is the first time we're talking about these topics. Oh, okay. don't, don't pull back the curtain, Ian. Sorry. Don't break the fourth wall. All right, but I think we've gotten everything we can get out of this. So, all right, okay. It wasn't awful. It was. It, it was not. It was. It wasn't as bad as 1942. I, I played like five years ago at Comic Con, which was just un was just unplayable. All right. Mahjong. Ian, you fucking love Mahjong. I do. And I, I, I feel like I need to stress this again. Um, Mahjong is not um, the Windows game where you remove tiles from a shape that looks like a turtle. Um, <laughs> I don't remember it being shaped like a turtle. Or, or any shape. Uh, the most common shape for Shanghai is called the turtle. Um. Mahjong is a, just think of it as a card game played with tiles. Sure, like Pi Gao or something. I'm not going to get into the rules of it. I'm not even going to try to explain it. But yes, I absolutely adore the game. You need to match similar tiles? Is that what you do in Mahjong? It's it's kind of, and this isn't even close, but it's more like a mix of poker and gin rummy. Okay. Um, so, one of the rarest games is Mahjong... 
for the NES in Hong Kong. It's an actual one of the rarest Mahjong games, or one of the rarest NES games. Just one of the rarest. Games. One of the rarest games. One of the rarest mainstream published games. Games. I mean, period. And so, of course, this has to be my holy grail. Um, because you collect Mahjong games because you're insane. Because yes. I'm insane. Yes. I have a lot of them. This is so... I, I was... This almost didn't make a certain NES guidebook because I was like, what the fuck? There's Mahjong on the NES? I didn't I didn't hear about it. I was like, what the fuck is this game when I'm doing the book? I'll, in, in this special game section, I put it because it's like, well, it didn't come out anywhere else. The, and this is so rare that there's like less than 10 copies that are known to exist. Like yeah. something ridiculously it, low. It's, it's, it's very low. So this I, is a graded copy. Uh, 80 plus whatever. Uh, and it's uh, going for twenty nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine Australian dollars. It's only twenty three thousand US. Uh, that's a. It's a, is that a sealed copy? It's a qualify. It's not even a sealed copy. No. Uh, it's a, it's it's a you know the blue box uh, Hong Kong version NES cart. It's that lighter gray cart. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, they uh, they definitely look different. I don't think I have one near me. No. I don't think I own a Hong Kong NES cart. But um, it's just um, you can play it on the, the Famicom. It's, it's a dollar Famicom game. You can play it on the Famicom. It was an early I, Famicom I have release. Multiple copies. So of it. it's just so weird because um, they, they must have made like three hundred of these. Like for some reason they didn't make any of them. I couldn't get any information on. It. I actually reached out to an author who worked on. There was this very this is there's a, this obscure video game. It's like video games around the world book that was done by a university professor, and he got people to contribute from all over the world. Like even video gaming in Antarctica, the history it was on every continent. I think that was the name of the book. I reached out to the author. He put me in touch with the guy that wrote the Hong Kong portion of the book. Mm-hmm. And I was even talking to him. I was trying to ask. When did this game come out, and how? Give me details about this. And there's no info, like there's just no information. There's not even good information about like under what circumstances, at least what I could find the the Hong Kong NES version. What fucking year it came out? Because in my book, I put like eighty five, but it's like it could have been eighty six, eighty seven. I have no clue because it's weird because Hong Kong is obviously not too far from the you know from Japan, but they didn't have the Famicom. They had the Hong Kong NES, right? So it's it's a weird market. Well, and I have... I don't even know if it's a wild theory. I just don't know if it's accurate. Um, my history of... You know, I'm not, I'm not fully brushed up on my history of Mahjong. Mahjong's an ancient game. I mean, it's been played for a long time. But the traditional rules of Mahjong and the Japanese rules of Mahjong are different. And around the time that the NES came out and um, the, uh, you know, the, the NES or the Famicom game Mahjong came out, the, the standardized rules that are used in Japan, that are used in Japan all over today, uh, known as uh, Ricci Mahjong, um, were really just starting to become codified and become um, like the standard set of rules played in Japan. And that's what Nintendo used for their Mahjong games. Was, was, so so what, what year was that, that codified rules? Uh, I think they started in the late like 70s. They started oh. like developing these Ricci rules. So that doesn't help. To, to, well, it still came out so earlier. So give me a second. Okay. So they started to kind of... The Ricci rules started to get developed in the late 70s. 
they weren't necessarily, I don't believe, used all the way by the time the Mahjong game would have come out. However, there's a different set of rules that are used elsewhere in the world outside of Japan. So if it's the same game, which it is, released in Hong Kong, they wouldn't have been using the same rules of play as um, Japanese players would have been using. Okay. And while the game is very similar, it, it's it's also very different in how it plays and how you have to have certain hands and you have to have certain conditions met in your hand. It's a bit more complex of a game using the Japanese rules. So it may not have sold well because it's not exactly the Mahjong they would have known. That That's my best guess as to why... Well, the Famicom one you can find dirt cheap, though. That's exactly what I'm saying. They yeah. might not have printed as many copies for the Hong Kong version because it's different rules than they would have played by. Oh, I see. In Hong Kong itself. Yeah. I, okay, I see. And that that's my only guess as to why it would have Maybe been. Maybe they realized after they printed something, oh, no one's going to buy this version because no one plays it. Because it's using slightly different rules. Versus what they would in Japan. Because it okay. should have been, I mean, if it was just Mahjong, they if they been. all used the same rules, it would have been. A big seller. It should have sold like wildfire. Well, this is why it's so fucking weird. Because even on the, the the VGA authentication, it says 1983 Nintendo NES. I don't think the fucking Hong Kong NES came out in 83. No, Pretty sure so. Japan was worried about just rolling out that good old Famicom. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like three games they had on it the first year. Right. Like the, the, so this is so this is why this is so intriguing, this game, to me. And, of course, Nintendo... I could just fucking ask uh, Nintendo... Someone Nintendo probably would know. They probably would have the records. Then again, we still don't know what the fuck went on with Steam events for, uh, in terms of what the, they actually recalled or not or whatever else. So maybe we don't know. Or they don't know. They don't give a shit that other records anymore. But someone has to know why there's not many of these games out there. Like I said, that's just my theory. As to that's why your theory why they didn't make that many. the rules would be... The, at the time, the rules would have been... Different and in transition. The rules would be how- becoming different for Jap- Japan... As opposed to the rest. But it would be difficult to do a small print run of cartridge games. It just would be. Because when you talk to guys like Howard Phillips, they said, like, the minimum run was usually at least a few thousand on a game. Like, 5,000. Like, you couldn't just make 40 of them. It would be worth the trouble. It would cost too much per game to, like, go through that. Maybe they they did do a couple thousand and people didn't take to it because of differing rules. And they just... They toss them into the Pacific? I don't know. They're all gone? Is there a warehouse? It's not like there was preservation back then. True, but again, you see all these other tons of games out there. You even can find all these pirated uh, NES carts from that region. I mean, that's fair. I, I mean, I just and it's like, I don't know. It's like you can't find the other NES Hong Kong games. You can find them. Yeah. I can buy them all right now if I want to. You can find them. It's just that this is so weird. Like we we know someone that that knows someone that has at least one of them. Yeah, and they were looking to find it here in the U.S. At, I think at a flea market or, or swap meet. So check out this auction. It says I it, want it. You're going to be, be fucking arm wrestle me for it. Uh, so what do you give a fuck about a Mahjong game? <laughs> it's, oh, it's hard to find. <laughs> it's a unique NES game I don't have. What do you mean? That That's intriguing to me. That's not intriguing to you at all? You don't care about that. You just want to play. You want to spend 20000 to play a, a Mahjong game you can play for a no, dollar. No, it's a unique, Con. intriguing Mahjong game. That's why I want it. No, it's not. You can play the Famicom version. It'd be done with it's it. It's still unique. All right. Okay. I'll fight you. All right, fine. We'll fight. We're going to fight for the death. Let us know in the comments who should get the game. Pat or Ian, who should get... I swear to God, if one of us gets donated because... <laughs> yeah, I found... Or someone just finds 50 of them laying around. Someone's going to start looking around Hong Kong in an old warehouse for them and find, <laughs> finds like 100 of them. It's going to be like stay, seal statements all over again. But the Hong Kong version. 
Ian, we're going to roll right into that scumbag. Of the week. Week. This is a Nintendo World Championship auction. It's delightful. It's delightful. Why is it delightful, Ian? Because it's so blatantly fucking fake, it's ridiculous, but also the story behind it is great. Well, someone bid on it at $25,000, but it's already been relisted at only at only 1000 Oh, the story gets better. I'm so glad we're doing this. Yeah. So, <laughs> let me just... Let's go over the original auction. So, this is Dr. with a K underscore G-Van. I know like nothing whatsoever about this game. It was in my older sister's closet for nearly two decades. I had to go through a lot uh, of effort to talk her out of not burning it in the furnace with all of the other NES games she didn't want. She didn't believe how much it was worth. I have no way to verify anything beyond what i seen online. This appears to be the contest cartridge from Nintendo Ma- Ma- Power Ma- Ma- Nintendo Power Magazine. Somewhat rare, I would say. Somewhat rare, he thinks. With a, you know... A, yeah, whatever. Somewhat rare, but he was asking $25,000 for it. Yeah. Uh, and then, okay, then we go into uh, so, okay, so what's... The, the whole story. <laughs> okay, but let's just look at this cartridge. It's a gold Nintendo World Championships cart, right? Yeah. When you look at when you look closely though, the 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 dip switch section like blue. It, it's it's the wrong color. Yeah. So it's blue. So first off, it's wrong. Uh right there. But I'm sure if you look closer, I'm not sure if that was like a like the rest of it was like pasted on or something underneath it to try to mimic the ROM board, but it, I don't think it's the right ROM board underneath. So I'm th- going to doubt that the switches are actually there. But then, are, are real. I mean, you can't even get a solid look at them. You, you, well, you can buy a little little micro switch things like that and just paste it on. That's what I'm saying. But then you look at the you look at the actual logo. It's all wrong. It's not the cheap dot matrix cut out paper. It actually almost looks clear. It looks silk screened or clear. So so they put they put more. This guy put more production value into this fake than Nintendo did when they made the the 26 promo cartridge, which I think is funny. Yeah, it actually looks sort of. The, that looks like a better. That looks like a label that he he downloaded the picture from online off of like like a hot topic T shirt. Yeah. Like he took a better label with the transparency still involved oh, in something it, something like yeah. that, and then threw it on there, right? Uh-huh. And then there's this fake ass fucking card included with the auction. You see this card? Actually, I did not. You see, see the card? card. No. Uh, Nintendo World Championships. Uh, this hereby certifies that. In blank has successfully competed in the 1990 Nintendo World Championships. Oh yeah, officially certified by Mario, and then uh, there's a, a, I guess, a fake Howard Phillips signature. So this is bullshit, just because if you got it in the mail, you didn't compete, compete in, in the Nintendo World Championships. Championships. It was just mailed to you from the from the fucking contest. See how stupid this is. But this person's putting in so much work to fake this. They put in they they're trying to outsmart the room. Yeah. Is what the saying goes. Uh-huh. And that makes it more of a fakery and just more of a bullshit item. But then it was just relisted, which I didn't know before the podcast. So on the relist, the label is missing and the case is scratched a bit. So they realized that they were called out on the fact that the label's bullshit. And, like, it gets so dramatic, too. A lo- At the very end, a long, long time ago, during an era we still remember, Nintendo held a contest <laughs> for people who really liked their games. Now I present to you that game. Great. 
Uh, so on, on the relist, they're going to. I think they're trying to pretend that this is a second one because it says here we have what appears to be another contest cartridge from Nintendo Power Magazine, somewhat rare. So I am to understand the label is missing and the case is scratched a bit. So this is just fucking garbage. If you want to get a real one, there's actually a real one right now uh, on uh, eBay at a hundred thousand dollars or make an offer. I'm not saying that's going to sell for that much. But there is a real one on. You can compare a real one to a fake one. So, uh, Doctor Do- or Ivan? Doctor, is it Ivan? I think or it's Doctor Ivan. Or yes. a J. Doctor underscore J Van or Ivan, whatever the fuck your 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 name is, and your awful. The fake- Doctor is a K, by the way. Uh, doctor with a K. Your fake NWC golds. It's one of the worst fakes I ever saw. But you put way too much work into begin with. For that, you are the scumbag Celebrity. seller of the week. Ian, yes, you open uh, crates of loot every once in a while, don't you? Yeah, once you, in a you've while. You've seen I other do. people. You've seen Vani open her crates of loot. I watch you open your crates of loot. It's 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 a solid product. It is. It's a geek box delivered to your door every month for a low price with goodies that are exclusive. Like now, everything's. It used to be like one thing. Now, now like everything's exclusive in them. Yeah, everything you get is exclusive. You get cool T-shirts. Um, I was wearing the Goonies T-shirt. Uh, I think the last podcast. Yeah, that was never said probably that. one of the coolest t-shirts we've seen come out of a loot crate box, that's, and that's they're cool. all pretty damn cool. They're all pretty good. You may not prefer that franchise, but they're all like well made. Yes, and they're all exclusive. So um, be the envy of your friends and get 100 exclusive crates at lootcrate.com/pat. Enter code pat to save 10 percent on any new subscription. July's loot crate theme, Ian. I guess you didn't look at the, the read beforehand. It's animation! Yay! Uh, okay. <laughs> You'll find items from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Bob's Burgers, Futurama, and Rick and Morty, which just announced that third season coming back nice. uh, soon. Uh, and one lucky subscriber will win that Mega Crate, which is, uh, like I think it's like a $500 value. It's ridiculous. Uh, you have until the 19th of July. We're in July already. At 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive the animation crate. And when that cutoff happens, that's it. You're done. You're going to try for the next month to see what it's going to be. So again, go to lootcrate.com slash pat, enter the code pat to save 10%. Um, you also can try loot pets, pets. as well. I've, I'm just noticing loot oh, pets no. here. Is, is Spike going to get some loot pets yeah, action? I, I have a feeling if Bonnie finds out about this. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, Spike might be um, humiliated in front of... Uh, yeah, you know, about 10,000 people on Twitter. Please don't put clothes on your cat. I, Please don't do that. I argue against it. That's so demeaning. Vani argues for it. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> and then, and then, Ian, you are a fan of the blue, of the blue Apron. I am. Especially ever since I've become uh, ill, it makes uh, meals really, meals and uh, dinners and lunches very easy for Vani and I. Um, we do the uh, two four-person meals a week. Uh, not every week, but most weeks. Um, this past week we did, jeez, what did we do? Uh, we did, uh, chicken Parmesan was a really good one. Um, and it was good because it, you know, chicken Parmesan is basic, but they, they send you extremely good ingredients. Is he trying to explain what Blue Apron is right now? He's getting right. Sorry, I was getting too into the food because the food's high quality. They, and they the, sent really good mozzarella. They, so, anyways, okay. Blue Apron is a, <laughs> the mozzarella is so good. They they send they send you everything you need to create 
uh, they're the meals at home. They send you recipes yes. and food. They send you everything to make your meals. And you make them. These are not prepackaged meals. Fresh ingredients. Fresh ingredients, fresh vegetables. Um, I believe Meats. it's local. The meat is generally sourced locally. Um, and it's it's designed with um, cooking together in mind. Um, so it, it, it is aimed at families as well. Um, everyone can do something. They support sustainable food systems. They work with their partnership with over 150 local farms, right. fisheries, and ranchers across the U.S. So that's that's cool. And the way they divide up the uh, the recipe cards, um, you know, there's multiple tasks that can be done. So there's stuff that parents can do, stuff that kids can do, um, and the meals come together very quickly and very easily. It's under ten dollars per person per meal, and like that, that's cheaper than a restaurant. Uh, and it's it's high quality stuff. Yes, uh, I've made what five or six meals with them. Never disappointed. The salmon meal was good. The pork uh, medallion's uh, meal was good. The meatball fucking sandwich was mm, like mud I used to make. It was actually really good. That was actually one of the ones that really fucking surprised me. Yeah, I was like, come on, meatball sandwich? Come on, I'm an, I'm an Italian here. Come on. But I was like, no, this was tasty, and Frank liked it too. It was, yeah. like, it was like a meatball parm sandwich. It that was, was really awesome. good. So, yeah, I... I um. So, so you can sign up, and you can get this week's menu. Check it out, and you can get your first three meals free, huh? With free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash podcast. Uh, you're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. And did you know that... <laughs> I'm just looking at it. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. So there you go. You, you, you kind of like your wife or husband... You don't like your kids? This will bring you all together, together. Blue Apron. And it's good meals. Again, that's blueapron.com slash podcast for your first three meals free with free shipping. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. It's never been easier for me to sell a sponsor. Okay. And then this is an interesting hypergame peripheral that was announced. Yeah. sort of came out of left field, and I was like, huh. This isn't exactly... It's interesting because every once in a while you'll see this stuff like the Game Boy attachment for your smartphone, which still is coming out later this year. But this is something you can use like right now that could appeal to some people, but we're not sure who. Yeah. Um, so Hyperkin is releasing a uh, a mouse for the uh, Super Nintendo. A third-party mouse. A third-party mouse uh, to um, make them more more easy to come by. Um, they're not exactly expensive on the used market, but they're also not always readily available. Probably, not, I, probably in the best, not in the best shape always either. Are they? No, they're not. Although, you know, I mean, you can clean them and stuff, but you know, they're, they're, I don't think people realize that there is actually a number of games outside of, um, you know, Mario paint that people can play, uh, where I, in the store, I think most people, uh, the only pe- the only other games that people actively seem to know that you can use it with uh, are um, King Arthur's whatever because that's supposed to be a pretty good game and King Arthur's uh, World. yeah King Arthur's World and Civilization, um, but there are a number of other games that it yeah, can be we, used. We can with. go through them. Uh, we'll go through the U.S. ones here on the list here because uh, it's it's, a, it's more than I thought. It's probably between uh, if you look at J- J- Japanese and U.S. games, you're looking at something about forty to fifty. But just U.S. looks like more like twenty to thirty. You have Acme Animation Factory, uh, uh, Advanced D and D, the Beholder, Arkanoid, Do It Again, which makes sense. You can move quickly left and right. So That's actually pretty, fast, yeah. pretty a pretty good idea. Uh, Breakthrough, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, Cannon Fodder, 
That's a PAL only game. I don't think I've ever played that before. I don't think I've seen that. Uh, on the ball, which is um, that makes sense actually, because you want to be able to rotate fast or slow on 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 that one. Sure, Doom first person shooter makes sense. Fun in games. Uh, Lord of the Rings Volume One, Jurassic Park. I'm guessing for the first person uh, section. I would have, I would guess, yeah, because I I can't think of where else you would use it. Uh, King Arthur's World, which you brought up, Lamborghini American Challenge, maybe the drive. Uh, there, uh, Lemmings Two makes sense. Point and click. Yep. Uh, Mario Paint, which is the only way you can get the damn thing in the U.S. Mario's early years, preschool fun. Might Magic Three, which that's a computer game, that would be helpful. Yeah, same with the um, um, Dungeons and Dragons. That makes. Total sense as well. No, Naga's ambition. It's, it's a you know a strategy game, hell of a lot easier than using a crosshair on, on a controller. And then like a lot of the uh, arcade shooting games that didn't necessarily uh, support the super scope, like Revolution X, Terminator Two, the arcade game, Operation Thunderbolt, which I didn't know until like two years ago, was on the Super Nintendo. That's a hard to find game. Uh, pieces. Uh, let's see what else you got here. Xi'an's Revenge. Is that a Mahjong game or? A, uh, I think, it's a think par- that no Shanghai. Uh, um, both of the Shanghai's, I guess, which are Japan only, uh, use it, which is the the puzzle Mahjong game. Okay. And Xi'an's Revenge, I'm guessing, is a uh, strategy game. Sid Meier's Civilization makes perfect sense. Some Ant makes sense. Um, n- knowing this now. And I think if people actually take the time to look at it... Oh, excuse me, Revenge is a, sorry, is a first-person viewpoint as a player aims a cursor at enemies to throw shurikens or slash with a dagger. That's like Super Spy for Neo Geo. That sounds really fucking cool. Yeah, that's neat. I didn't know that. Um, I think if people actually look through this list now that this is being released, I, I think there might Same be story. somewhat of a resurgence in interest in the mouse. Vegas because stakes. a lot of these games Wolf would Sunday. benefit from mouse control. Yeah, I mean, uh, Eye of the Beholder is a great game. I wouldn't necessarily want to play it with a controller, but with a mouse, absolutely. Might and Magic 3, for sure. Um, if you're going to play Civ on the Super Nintendo, definitely would rather do that with a mouse. I wonder this, if the, the, this announcement alone it was sort of the marketing plea to be like, okay, people like us to look into the, the full list and be surprised by some of the choices. To be like, oh, I need to get my mouse out if I don't have one. Right. Or go and, go and buy it. But for $20, though... Um, that's that's not a bad price, I don't think, for that. But th- you can find the mice fairly easily still. Yeah, I mean, we sell Mario Paint with the mouse and the pad for twenty, and it sells all day. So, so right now, if I search for SNES mouse on eBay, there's two hundred and sixty listings. Uh, there you go. Ten dollars free shipping. Twenty two with Mario Paint. Uh, twenty bucks with Mario Paint. And the and the, the pad you don't find the pad as often as the actual mouse, eighteen bucks with the game. So if you take that game, I think at, that's about average. It's twenty six, for the mouse and the game. Sixteen dollars just the mouse with free shipping. So I guess the choice is going to be: Do you want a uh, you know a twenty five year old peripheral that could be banged up, or you get a new one for twenty bucks? And uh, we sell the I, like f- for instance, we sell the Mario Paint cartridge for two bucks. So a new mouse and the Mario Paint cartridge for twenty two bucks. That's it's in the ballpark. I think right? that's not. I I honestly don't think that's bad. Uh, Fifteen dollars. Yeah, I mean you'll be able to help me if you go to a flea market. You can find them for three dollars. It's not like these costs sure. are a lot. Or you'll find them in in a in a. Well, then again, I'm trying to think. Of, I went when I went to the the last uh, convention. Did I find any by themselves? Probably like in a box of controllers, or you usually find it with Mario, uh, paint there. So it's not. I mean, it's not. It's not a terrible idea. Uh, it's just I guess. 
either this will create a mini resurgence in the retro gaming community. Like it's almost like they're they're they they've created a problem that most retro gamers didn't know existed, and are trying to you know sort of uh you know fill that hole that yeah. they're now alert. It's like they they're punching the hole in the wall. Say hey, there's that hole you didn't know it was there before, or pointing out oh oh now I gotta play Revolution X on my Super Nintendo with a mouse. You know well, it's like and it also makes a lot of games that I like like Camel Tree, which was called on the ball in the U.S. that I like, but could never fathom playing with a a controller or Arkanoid Dote again. Like now, you now that I know that you, I could use a mouse, those I would actually go back and try those again. I think the, the one caveat here that no one's really taking into account. How are you going to play it? Like, like where are you going to play with like a mouse pad? That's you're not usually like with like on a traditional like computer right, because, game. Because I mean, Super at this Nintendo. point, we're also used to optical mice, and this is obviously not going to be an optical mouse. But even still, like if you're on your say you're on your regular couch, we can put it on your knee. And well, that's play what a game. I'm saying. Like, yeah, with an optical mouse, that would actually wouldn't be a problem. But, even, but this but, probably isn't. But but even still, it's though. Not. But, but we'll, even an optical mouse on your knee was not going to be comfortable. Like it's not going to be as precise. You can you can get away with it. Yeah, I, I deal know, with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Wait a second. How how is that going to happen? What? what yeah, they, they probably. Well, we all fucking did it back in the day. So I no, mean, we didn't. There's no 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 one fucking used the mouse back in the day. I played Mario Paint. Yes, you played Mario Paint. Paint. Yeah, and used the pad. This doesn't have a pad. So you make one. <laughs> you make one. You take a fucking book off the shelf. What did you sit down at the coffee table? You used to put it on there and play like that. No, no, just rest. I mean, you just rested the pad on your leg. I think they're missing out here. I think they should have done a little contraption that like folded up like on your on your belly, <laughs> and, and and placed the mouse on there. Anyway, all right, all right. Well, Ian, there's a lot of video game movies in development, uh, various forms. They're going through with that Rampage movie with The Rock. They're actually filming the damn thing. Yeah, fuck it. Um, which was which, which strange that what's so strange about that which we'll get into is that they're they're actually they're 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 not going to be humans that transform they're actually going to be just, just like a a wolf that tr- changes to a werewolf and a lizard into Lizzie right you know it, it, I, why couldn't you keep like there's nothing about rampage there's like this it's so so thin the story why not keep it anyway we're gonna gonna go through all the video games and develop. Let's just go right now. through this quick there's I, 25 of them we're gonna first say one is it actually going to come out in theaters. Two, if it comes out, would it actually be a success? Or, or, you know what I mean? That's what we're going to go through right now. Okay. Tomb Raider reboot. Okay, well, they're making it. I can see the lady right there. Yep, that'll so, work. You think people will see that? Yeah. You think so? The Angelina Jolie ones did fine. Sure. I mean, the, the, we had the, we had the two, uh, two, two reboot games. We had the two original movies. I think the second movie of Angelina Jolie didn't bomb, but it didn't do as well. Uh, I, I've seen parts of it on uh, TV. So you think it'll do decently? Okay, we'll say that'll do decently. Rampage. There we go. That picture is production. No. Star- starring Dwayne Watson, Naomi Harris, Malin Ackerman, Joe Mangiliano, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I like the cast. I love Jeffrey Dean Mo- Morgan. Uh, he's fantastic. Uh, feature a gorilla, wolf, and lizard turning into larger, monstrous versions of the self, and then Rock taking off his shirt halfway through the, through the movie. I'll just say that. That's going to come out, and that's going to be, I think, not laughed at. That's going to be like, what the fuck is this? And why is this a movie? Yeah. Because... It's hard enough getting people into the theaters for like these Godzilla movies, I think, and for like the new King Kong movies. And this is just like, what is this? I think I think this is going to be um, not necessarily a stinker, but I think no one's going to want to see this. It's right. it's going to be shit. It's, oh, you think it's going to be shit? Yeah. Well, the the the, the Baywatch movie just came out it was critically just fucking horribly panned and made no money. So The Rock isn't always attached to successful movies. Minecraft. 
set for May 24, 2019. Uh, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Rob McElhenney is uh, directing, which I think is interesting. Steve Carell, I to headline the film. So is this going to do well in the theaters, or is it a little bit too late, or is it going to be like Angry Birds, where it's not going to matter, it's going to appeal to kids anyway? It's going to be garbage. I don't know how you make a movie out of Minecraft. It's going to do gangbusters because kids. Well, Angry Birds got decent reviews, and how do you make a movie out of that, you know, right? Sure. So, I mean, it's like the Lego movie. You can do whatever the fuck you want. It's the, it's this, Minecraft's fucking Legos, right? So it's a Lego movie. I but guess. it's Minecraft. Yeah, but... <sighs> It'll do gangbusters. But, but there's no... But there's no... They'll make up a but random There's no plot. history of good Lego stuff behind it in terms of storytelling or... Fuck it. Okay. <laughs> right. The Angry Birds uh, movie, okay. too. That'll do well. The first one did well, of yes. course. It made a ton of money. Detective Pikachu. It better fucking do great, and I, I, don't I think, can't wait. I don't know if that's ever going to come out. You think that's actually going to come out? Um... Rob Letterman of Goosebumps is directing the first live-action Pokemon movie, which hails from Legendary Entertainment. I I hope it does. I think of all the fucking movies on here, this has a chance. I'm not saying this wouldn't be good. I'm I'm not sure this is actually going to come out. Well, I hope it does. Uh, Uncharted. Eat me. Long in development. It's going to be Tom Holland as young Nathan Drake. Oh, it's a prequel. Okay. Um, I don't don't think this is going to come out. I think by the time they get this going, people are going to be like, we don't give a shit anymore about Uncharted. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I kind of agree. Uh, the same thing that happened, which is with Assassin's Creed, no one gave a shit. Yeah. It's like, it should have came out 10 years ago. It's too right. late. Okay, I don't think it's going to get made. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Deadpool director Tim Miller is producing the live action CGI hi- live action CGI hybrid. This this If this comes out, this will fucking bomb. I think. I do not think this will do well. The fact that it's going to be a live-action CGI hybrid? Who the fuck wants to see that? I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that this will probably come out, though. You think this is going to come out? I do. I will say this will not get... this. They're going to say this is a horrible idea. It's not going to come out, I think. Mortal Kombat. Uh, I think that's a shoe in for a, another movie. You think so? Especially with the popularity of X. They've been trying to get a third one in for, uh, forever, though. Fuck, I, I mean, now would be the time. You know what? This has poorly received feature films. That first film was fucking good. I'm sorry. That that movie was. I as, don't remember the, the first, first one. one being poorly received, and I, it certainly was a. It certainly became a cult classic in terms of kind of dopey movies. But if you talk to anyone, it's commonly cited as probably the best video game movie. It was the, the best of the '90s, yeah. for sure. I mean, that or the Double Dragon movie from the '90s. You know what are you gonna What are you yeah. gonna do? I, you can, if, if for anything else, you can say, yeah, it wasn't as violent. Um, it was pretty fucking faithful to the story and to the characters, and that was good enough. And it was decent, you know, decent martial arts action. It you know. followed the it, it followed the plot. It, it was it was every fighting tournament movie ever made because that's all yes, Mortal Kombat 1 wanted all was, to be. Yes, all was was Enter the Dragon. Yes. Liu Kang is basically, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Lee. Uh, okay, so that's going to get... You think it's going to get made? Okay. Five Nights at Freddy's. I don't know. The guy just canceled his sixth game. Is he burnt out? I think he's burnt out, and I, I think probably huh. fans are burnt out, and I'm not sure that this Six is games gonna... in how many years? Not a long time. It's like one a year? And I don't think that's counting the MMO he did, which I don't think did very. I don't well. think th- I don't think this w- this was this would I think I don't think this is going to get made. And if it got made, I think it would bomb horribly. I think you you could potentially make it a movie just from what I've heard about the script, but I don't think it's going to get made. And I think it would probably bomb because by that time people are people are probably burning out on it. Sure, uh, Monster Hunter. 
Uh, following its conclusion of the Resident Evil series, filmmaker Paul W.S. Anderson is setting his sights on another franchise with Monster Hunter. I don't think this gets made. Monster Hunter generally doesn't have a deep enough story to turn into a movie. I don't think it gets made. Plus, it'd be too expensive to make this. This isn't like a Resident Evil movie. They, a lot of those they did like pretty fairly cheaply. Sure. Um, so we're going to reboot that sort of thing. Oh, Resident Evil. Fuck they're they're, they're going to reboot it Just and actually make pass. it. Well, Why are we even talking you know, about they're, it? They're, they're, no. they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Okay, great. They've made seven of them. They're all successful to various degrees. They're going to they're going to reboot it. Sleeping Dogs. Donnie Yen, who I love, of Rogue One and Ip Man, will play the hero cop of the Square Enix adaptation, going undercover to take down a criminal organization. Yeah, they'll make it. They'll make it. It'll come out in China. It won't. It'll barely come out here. Probably. Why not? No director or release date are attached to a game that originally came out on the 360 and PS3 two years ago. I can I can picture though coming out because you know there's a, there's a big like uh you know uh, the Chinese mafia. There's a lot of movies about that. Uh, I can I can see yeah, they'll it. film it and call it something else. So I you think so. Attaching you know, the sleeping dog's name to it at this point is pointless. You think so? Okay. I, I think I think this will get made at some point. Donnie Yen's pretty. He's like one of the biggest Chinese uh, stars. Gears of War probably maybe. Uh, I don't, I no, don't I don't think if, if if they're having trouble doing Call of Duty, I don't see a Gears of War movie. Yeah, and they're having trouble doing Halo, so probably yeah, not. I don't see Gears of War being made. Last uh, of Us. I Last of Us. I mean, what is it? It's just a fucking. I don't know. I've never played it. Zombie movie in paradise? I mean, not, like... Not really, but I don't know. But, Call of Duty, really so, don't think it's going to happen. We talked about Activision Studios ages ago, and they're still not on it. Well, I heard that they wanted to do, like, a... Oh, oh, holy shit, they want to do a cinematic universe. Yeah. With Modern Warfare... Okay, so they're going to do, like, one year, do Black Ops... Like, they're going to follow the game releases, Black Ops, Modern Warfare... And they go back to do like a fucking World War Two one. Is that they, they, they will do a Call of Duty movie? They're going to do it. I, I guarantee they're going to do it. They're going to be shocked by how little it makes versus the video games. Oh sure, that's what I think is going to happen. They'll be like, oh, generic war film, great. Rabbids, hybrid live action stop motion feature has been in development. Uh, that does not get made. Live, uh, stop motion. You know how fucking difficult that is and how. Time-consuming, that is. At this fucking point, I'm not going to put anything past the Rabbids. I say this has a shot. A shot of getting made? You think it'd be well-received? Because we, 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 we like seeing our uh, uh, stop-motion movie once every four years that comes out. I w- if it's legit stop-motion, I would actually maybe go see it just because I love stop-motion. All right, maybe this comes out and it's a, it's a, it's a hit. Portal somehow. Half-Life. No, they, they can't even finish the fucking Half-Life series. That's not yeah. They're not going to do that instead of doing and, unless, and, and, unless unless that's the movie. Half, the movie's Half Life Three. And the first portal is about three hours from start to finish, anyways. So I mean, it is a movie. And Portal Two is about eight. I, I don't see that. Uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. Okay, Shinobi. Mm. No. Uh, Bridge of Spies producer Mark Platt. I still have to see the movie Bridge of Spies. Supposed to be good. Uh, set up another. Hoping to make a film that honors the essence of the game. Yeah, it's a ninja movie. I mean, that's the essence. Of, I mean, yeah. Uh, okay, I don't see that happening. Uh, the Division. The Division would have been far better off as a movie. I don't know if it's going to be made into a movie or if it will be successful. Stephen Godkin of Syriana, which is an excellent film, is set to direct the feature adaptation of Overall Shooter, which has Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain set to star. Well, it has two stars. You know what? Fuck it. They'll make this movie. I mean, I, make it. I don't know that I'll see uh, it, but I, I feel like it would have been better as a movie. I think this will do okay, just because because it's a different setting. It's not like just doing a fucking Call yeah. of Duty movie. I think it'll do okay. Uh, Splinter Cell. Tom Hardy has been attached to this feature film for many years now with Doug Lehman previously directed. It's not happening. The Splinter Cell series popularity started on Xbox and waned and died on the 360 and PS3. So it's not going to be made. It's not happening. Metal Gear Solid. 
Kong Skull Island filmmaker Jordan Voke Roberts is attached to direct the film. What is it going to be fucking 25 hours long? No. <laughs> you don't think it's going to get made? No. You know, I, I think the expectations would be too high and people are like, what the fuck is this? Uh, Just Cause. Aquaman himself, Jason Momoa, will play Rico Rodriguez from Just Cause 3, which has Rampage director Brad Payton attached to direct. Brad Payton's directed Rampage? Oh, wow. Um, you know what? I'll be crazy and say this gets made. Just because Jason Momoa will be hot off of Aquaman, and they'll say, fuck it, we'll try another action win with him, and then no one will no one will see it. Um, Firewatch. Little known as... <laughs> little known as... Nobody that's, Okay. Great game. Or well, I mean greatly reviewed game, but the game this is the type of game that is developed to play out solely as a story. So unless there's no reason to do it as a movie. Because you'd have to remake the actual game like step for step. And right. then what, put it in first person? At and, that then, point? and then cut parts out. Okay. So that's not getting made. No. Uh Centipede and Missile Command. Suck my dick. <laughs> uh, no, that's it. We're moving on. And I, I, Tetris. And Tetris is the one they're trying to make into a trilogy. That's right. Uh producer Larry Kasanoff, who previously made the Mortal Kombat film, is attached to bring the Tetris game to life. Um it's gonna be a trilogy. No, that's not gonna happen. They're not gonna get the fucking funding to actually make that, or else maybe I'll eat crow and it'll be that'll make a billion dollars. It'll it'll you know, it'll it'll be it'll be special. All right, Han Solo, Ian, is going to be uh, directed by someone new. Does this sound familiar or kind of familiar? There was, there was a lot of trouble with Rogue One in terms of the reshoots. Uh, and then for, they reshot like half the movie, it looked like, based upon the trailers and what people were saying. And now for the second uh, standalone film, Star Wars film, there's some trouble that's brewed. Well, first of all, I, I feel like this Han Solo... I, I don't want to see it. I have no. no I, I will not see this. And he's, and he's my favorite Star Wars character. I have this this must in, must interest. I. He's not my favorite. He's a good character. Um, but. I I, I have no interest in in seeing this. I, I I just don't need. I I find him to be a fairly thin character, and I I don't think. Oh, well, he's not thin. I think I think Luke Skywalker's a lot thinner than than Han Solo. Okay, that's fair too. I mean, I like Star Wars, but really, when it they're comes all to archetypes, yeah, they're all archetypes. So, okay, so basically, okay. what happened was you had you had a tandem director of Christopher Miller and, and Phil Lord who were brought on board, um, and then a good chunk away through they were they completed a good good part of the movie. They filmed yeah. it. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan uh, decided behind the scenes that yeah, they're not they're not they're not right for this. This does not feel like a Star Wars film. Is basically the short end of it. This is this does not feel like what this should be. Really no shit you hired two guys who are known for comedy to direct a movie about a guy who that I mean he's not a comedic fucking character. I mean he's sarcastic, but he's he's not this he's is not, not equipped. This is not this is not this is a slapstick. This isn't curb your enthusiasm. Right. You know, this isn't that sort of tone. What's interesting about this is that uh Gareth Edwards who who directed originally directed Rogue One, um, when they brought in people to help him out to finish it, he was all on board with it. There was no problem. Here it seems like there was a lot of friction. Yes. And so Lawrence Kasdan came on set, and Lawrence Kasdan's like the best keeper of stars we have left. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back. You know, he's he, he basically helped make Empire Strikes Back as awesome as it was. Lucas was sort of like in the background. Yeah. And so he comes on set, and all the stories that... Um, he was trying to get them. He was. They just wanted to film the script. Just film the script. script. I, I wrote the fucking. My son wrote this fucking thing with my with my help. Film the script, 
and they they like begrudgingly filmed what was there, but then had him just they they wanted to have the actors ad lib, which for Star Wars is fucking strange. Yeah, to ad lib, that's really strange. You, it's not that's that, not an ad lib movie. You know, that's like I, I can't picture a, a like a like a fantasy film like Lord of the Rings having ad libs in it. It's all like ban- like it's all like we're going somewhere. It's very structured. Let's not get off the beaten path. And the other, I guess, the other problem was that it was taking them so long to set up shots, and they weren't getting the coverage. Coverage means you have the appropriate number of angles in order to actually edit the fucking scene together. Right. Not just have two or three. Sometimes you have four, five, or six, so you can cover up holes, or if you have to cut line of dialogue, you know. So it's not like an amateur film. So they're off the film. Like they're unlike Gareth Edwards, who stayed on. So they're 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 off it. Right. So they're bringing Ron Howard. Which is interesting because Lucas directed him in American Graffiti. Yes. Um, and Ron Howard is now a, a big-time director. Um, and he's going to come back and try to, I guess, reshoot a chunk of this, most likely. See what actually is there that works. But this is not good for the the first two standalone Star Wars movies. They're having this much of issues. And remember, the third standalone movie, uh, Josh Trank was fucking kicked off, and that was basically canceled for oh, now. God, the, remember yeah. that? The, it was going to yeah. do like the Boba Fett movie or whatever the hell? That was That's gone. So there, ha- there for some for some reason there's been this huge disconnect between uh, the quote unquote saga movies, which so far have been running like clockwork, and everyone's been all right. This is good, and the Last Jedi looks good so far. With versus these standalones, I, I, I'm guessing that what they they want these standalones to be different, and so they're they're wanting to take these risks. But when they're actually seeing the results, they're like, holy shit! Whoa, let's back up. We got to be more. Uh, we have to have a little more care with this universe, and I'm guessing that's what's happening. When it's coming to these films, so unfortunately we didn't see that "quote unquote" like hardcore. I still liked Rogue One a lot, need to see it. but I wonder what that original one would have been—maybe less fun, maybe less fan service in the first cut of that movie, maybe more gritty, maybe even a darker ending if you can imagine for that first. Uh, I haven't you, seen it. You know, oh, you yeah. haven't seen it yet. I mean, I, obviously, I'm fairly certain I know where it goes, but I have a feeling Gareth Edwards would have. His directing has that feel, so yes, I'm sure it would have probably been even less hopeful than what we got, yeah. uh, because the word was on on you you, you heard about the Darth Vader scene in the movie. Yeah. The, the the word was that was not originally in there. They put that in. Yes, and, and now that's the only thing people fucking talk about with that movie. It was a great scene. It was unexpected and a surprise, but you could it was fan service for sure. It was great fan service, but it was like all right. It yeah. was cool to see that, but we didn't necessarily need to see that. So this is still going to, I think, I think going to come out in time this December. Oh, excuse me, not December. It's just, uh, this is going to come out, I think, uh, let's see. No, December's Last Jedi, so this is going to come out next year in May, I believe. Um, so there you have it. We'll see what happens with this. Ron Howard, Opie's going to take, take, the, take the reins, and hopefully we have some uh, good results with it uh, there. Q&A time on the CU Podcast. First, we'll do the traditional Q&A, then we'll do our Patreon segment. This is at... Uh, Dublin Danny, why do you think there's more interest in retro consoles than retro computers, Ian? Um, I, I, I think that's fairly easy to answer, and I think it's because retro consoles, I, I think it's why for a long time there was more interest in console games modern-wise as well. Um, a, a retro console is easier to hook up and still easier to maintain, uh, than a, a retro computer. Um, so even though retro consoles now still need some maintenance and TLC, um, you're still dealing with discs and cartridges, or like CDs or cartridges, which are a lot easier to find in working condition and a lot more durable than 
floppy disks if we're going to go into like 80s retro computers and early 90s retro computers Mm -hmm. um also you know some of those and and, and retro computing is extraordinarily interesting at least to me um i I love the idea of it i love poking around with it i love playing with apple twos and stuff like that they're Um, big and bulky they are big and bulky uh, you know, they they take up a lot of space. That's another thing. You need a monitor, not just a computer. Right. And um, sometimes finding the right configuration just to play a certain game, it's not that easy. Some of those yeah. games can be particularly picky. I mean, if you want the graphics right and you want the sound right, then you better hope you've got the right sound card and the right setup, and you better hope you've got the time to screw with your and, setup and it'll a still, bit. And it'll still crash. Yeah. Just like the old ones did. Yep. Exactly. So, um, vintage computers and vintage computer gaming on the original hardware can be a lot of fun. And it's something I still do when I go back home with a couple of computers I have in my basement. But it's a much more time-consuming hobby. It's not as pick-up-and-play. And, And, uh, you know, like Pat said, uh, space, um, weight. I mean, just transporting that shit around. I I mean, it's it's just... you know, that's a hobby you get into when you own a house with yeah. a lot of space and you know you're going to be staying put for a while. It's not a hobby you get into when you're living in an apartment and you know you're going to be moving around and shit like that. Um, it's <clears throat> it's hard to find some of those computers that are in working condition. Yes. And, <clears throat> I mean, if, if you want to build, like, a dedicated 486 machine that, you know, that's in really good shape, like, you, you want to hunt for the highest quality components you can find. Sure. Of course, you can go to the swap and find beat up ones. You're going to see if they actually work. I, yeah. but, but if you want to go older, but, you talk about, like, yeah, so you can find Apple IIs. You yeah. know how hard it is to just find a fucking, like, IBM XT? Like, that's a lot harder. So that's where, like, like I went to the swap meet and I saw one. It wasn't the exact one I had as a kid. That would have to go online and find the exact one. I have that red toggle switch that went up. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it was a piece. It wasn't a junior, but it was, you know, it was an IBM XT. You know, um, from like 85. But I just found one. I bought it just because I, I found maybe two XDs at the swap meet in, in like this eight years I've been here. Yeah, you, you can find Apple IIs or Commodore 64s. Uh, or I've, I found more Timex fucking Sinclairs than XTs. So, one, they're not as sexy. It's not as sexy to say, oh, I'm going to go out and, and collect for my 486 uh, 33 megahertz, which I had you know in early high school. But that doesn't mean anything. Right. There's no sexiness to that. There's not like um, dedicated games for that computer you had. Those those games we played on various types of makes and models, you know, whether it's Tandy or whatever th- Gateway Two Thousand, whatever thousand mom and pop, uh, you know, computer shops you, you went to in your Edison, New Jersey computer shop. You're like, did there's there's it's not sexy. It, it just isn't. Um, the games we played all across multiple computers. So if it came out, especially in the eighties, if it came out on uh, IBM, it probably came out in some version on Amiga and or Atari computer and or, you know, Commodore 64. So, like, it's not the, quite the same. Right. It's a different mindset. It's more about that the, ex- the the experience of playing on a clunky computer versus more so than the game and at I that think, point. And I think there's also, I mean, you, you have to make a, a difference between something like um, a Commodore and the Atari computers uh, from what I think this person's talking about, which... I, I think um, definitely things like uh, 
once you get into the Apple IIe's and the um, the early IBM's and IBM compatibles and stuff like that, that's a, that's a breaking point because some sure. of those early computers, so, like the Commodores and the Vics and and stuff like that, and the the Atari computers, they act more like consoles. This is the difference, like like uh, good old games, GOG. When they put out a game for sale, I'm not when I see like okay, they have like I don't know Tie Fighter Collectors CD whatever version that I can easily download and play for whatever five bucks packaged. With its own self-booting version of DOS. Yes, Box. I click it. I got my joys. I'm ready to go. Yeah, that to me is is that there's no nostalgia factor with me thinking back on my old ass computer doing the same thing on a new computer with a, just an updated joystick. Yeah, I'm still playing the same game, and the amount of heartache for me to actually replicate the original, no one's going to go out and really do that. Versus, it's a lot easier, like I said, getting an NES and buying some games and replicating that experience on any old CRT. Yep. Uh, this is at uh, all, all, all TR one. Okay, now that Star Fox Two gets an official release, will it be featured in a certain SNES guidebook. I think you'd have to, given that it's an official release, and from what we've heard or from what I've heard from certain people, that it was complete at that time, but not released then. But it is officially being released now. You could argue that it's in that window of, a, uh, and and yes, I mean you could review it. I guess what you was was argues that would you place it just after Star Fox in the regular section, or put like put it like in the special game section with like Campus Challenge and like the competition cards. Like that's the only argument. I, I, would I, I feel like it would just go. It would go in the special section, but I, I'd say it counts. Well, Cheetah Man Two was never released, and that I put that in the regular game section because it. They made it. it okay. Well, so then, no. I, I, then, that's then, the argument. Then, then yes, it gets to. Fo- I, I feel like it gets to follow. That's the, the argument. Cheetah Men Two rules. Cheetah Men technically wasn't released. Yeah. They made the fucking piece of shit. And they threw him in a warehouse, and it wasn't released until Mike Etler found him. You know what's funny? I was actually browsing, browsing on eBay, and I saw Mike Etler's listings. Oh, I just yeah. I, yeah, he's still operating. I, I said, hey, dude, you you mean a lot to to us, you know? Like, buy you a sandwich too. Why not? Yeah, I'll buy Mike Etler like fucking twenty sandwiches. Twenty sandwiches. Oh yeah. By the way, I'm working on a Super Nintendo book. Yeah. Ian, Ian might work on it too. We're still negotiate, having negotiations about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's let's do it. Let's do the Patreon. Uh, the Patreon questions here. Hi, my name's Steve Manser from Grand Island, Nebraska. Uh, first, I just wanted to say I really appreciate uh, you, Pat and Ian, for uh, your long form podcast. As uh, I'm a semi truck driver by profession, and uh, you guys helped me kill many many miles over the years uh, listening to your two-hour-long podcast, so I really appreciate it. Better than hookers. Um, I just wanted to touch on the topic you mentioned a couple episodes ago regarding 8-Bit Sky, uh, 8-Bit Guy's uh, relabeling of retro game cartridges, and I just wanted to say that I'm in favor of this practice. In fact, I have been doing uh, a little bit of relabeling myself, mostly on uh, cheaper games that are just unrecognizable uh, otherwise. I personally would rather pay money for a really good restoration of a cartridge than one that, you know, frankly to me is garbage if I can't even tell what it is looking at it. Okay. Well, thanks for the, the question, comment. Um, I, I would, me personally, I'd rather spend the good money on an original with a good label. That's just me versus the reproduction label, right? And that's and that's my thing as well. If you say it's you know being done on the cheaper games, I feel like 
by the time you, you know, buy the, the, the reproduction label, scrape the label off the original game, and apply it, I mean, if we're really talking cheap games, finding, a, you know, the cheap games tend to be common, why not just find the original in, in nice shape? Oh, there's more to this. Okay. Um, I think that the trade should move forward instead of being uh, the hobby. I think he means uh, pushing this practice aside. I think, uh, as you mentioned before, you know, a relabeled, uh, authentic cartridge should have the value right there. I, th- I think that's a great way to get started on that because, you know, the longer we go into this trade, uh, I just. I just think there it's inevitable that some of these uh, relabels are going to get out out there in in the circulation. So, anyways, uh, thanks again. Okay, so I think we're going to get to that point, but I don't think it's going to be half the value. I think it's going to be a quarter or less than that. Again, it might it's not, I mean, it's not end up with comic books where it's like one percent of the value or or five percent of the value when you have like a destroyed repro you know destroyed cover uh, on a comic they put a repro label. Uh, excuse me, repo cover. I don't think it's going to be that because you can play a game versus like the aesthetic of an old comic book, and the value of of actually reading that's gone. Like if you have Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Amazing Fantasy fifteen, you're not going to fucking read that. No sure. one's no one's buying that to read that. But people people will still buy an old ass game like I don't know a random one. Danny Silva's in the heat to actually play it. Yes, that's the difference. So to me, it's almost like then maybe the the I don't know. We have to come up with a way. Maybe it'll be a consortium. Maybe we'll ask me or you to be on it. We can come up with a fucking, you know, like like the, there's a grading guide. You can buy the Overstreet grading guide where it's it's somewhat, um, it's structured how you grade a comic book. Maybe we'll get there with video games. And not just a fucking seal, but the actual label, uh, manual, and, and the game box. I don't know. And, and I think that's where it will probably have to end up going. Um, at some point, there will end up, I mean, if this hobby continues... Um, I mean, if the interest in, in it continues um, at, at, at the rate that it does, if it has the lasting power, uh, there will have to be some sort of consensus on that. And, and who's going to do it? I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, with as with all collectibles, uh, coins, comics, toys, eventually there comes a point where every hobby reaches this point where is what's acceptable, what's not. And how are we going to determine the value of things when things are reproduced, replaced, touched up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Well, no one's talked about touched up yet. No one's even talked about that. Oh and, no, and that's even yeah. I'm not talking about, but I'm just saying. We'll get there I mean, though. No, but I'm saying there's. I'm saying in examples in other hobbies. Oh the, sure. Yeah. This this uh, all but, comes up eventually. I'm sure we're gonna get to the point where people will start touching up game labels and then trying to get a better grade for it or or the box because we're talking a lot of money. We're talking about like if you have a shitty box. And then, like, maybe you can press it, you know, like like how they press some comic covers to make, yes. like, the wrinkles disappear. You might get there. Yeah. So, anyways, we can agree to disagree. I mean, I, I don't agree with the practice, but no. I, I do think it's inevitable. I mean, I'm not going to be unrealistic. I, I, I do think it's inevitable, inevitable. that we... Inevitable. Shut up. <laughs> I, I do think it's inevitable that at some point, you know, there will become kind of a guide or, sure. or guidelines to how this is handled. Next question. Hey, guys, this is Eric from the Retail Archaeology Channel, and I have a question that's probably more for Ian than Pat, but the question is why do you think GameStop is having so much trouble and having to close stores, and meanwhile I feel like mom-and-pop game shops are popping up all over the place and need to be doing well? 
Anyways, guys, thanks for the awesome podcast. Uh, and hi, and, and, and thanks, thanks for the question. Hey, sir. Um, so why are mom and pops doing better, but GameStop's having trouble and they close a lot of stores? The only reason I laughed at the question is because you know that's that's a big can of worms. Um, I think a good mom and pop shop uh, does well, um, and I, I've been getting this more and more lately. Um, and this used to be a problem. Um, you know, back in the '90s, uh, I noticed with uh, places like Babbage's and stuff like that, where it got to the point where you stopped getting people who were specialized. Uh, so knowledgeable employees. You stopped getting knowledgeable employees sure. to work there, and I think that changed for a while. And then we're now back at the point where you're not. And this is just one of many reasons. You're back at the point where you're getting unknowledgeable employees. And not people, uh, employees at places like GameStop and whatnot that are not sure. really well, knowledgeable on any of this sure. stuff. Okay. Because it used to be like when 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 I'm, I'm thinking of like uh, Egghead Software, etc. In the '80s, you had to get people that knew what the yes, fuck they're talking about. Exactly. About Just because like, if I came in asking for a computer, computers weren't ubiquitous. Um, not everyone knew what they were, so you needed employees that explained to me what the computer, you know, how they actually worked, what I actually needed. Just like your Radio Shack employees with yes. the tandy hair. I mean, they had to have the tandy hair because that's how you knew that they could sell you. I never the, heard the expression tandy hair before. I use it all the time. I've probably used it on the podcast like no, you 30 times. Okay. I know, you, what the Anyways, tandy hair? I, it, it's a very specific... <laughs> It's a very specific hairstyle that was popular in the 80s. Do you have tandy hair? No, I don't. Okay. I do not have tandy hair. <laughs> um, so anyways, so I, I think um, one thing that drives customers away is that um, they are they are not getting uh, a level of customer service or, or knowledge about products that that they that they would expect. Another thing is they walk into a GameStop now and feels like a hot topic. If Well, you, yeah, but it, that, that's they have to survive, though. They have to sell the shirts and the trinkets and the toys and loot crate items. They have yes, to. Yes, they have to, but at a certain point, they push that so much that I think it pushes people away. Oh, you sure. walk into a good mom-and-pop shop, and you look around, and you see nothing but video games. Sure. Well, they're also, they, have, they have a billion different stores. So it's hard to be, at that point, it's hard to, all, to be like, we can hire specialized employees for all these billion stores. We have to just fill them up. And that's all. Also- like, they're like the McDonald's. Like we, when you order when you when you order at McDonald's, that person doesn't know how, how to make a hamburger or French fries necessarily. You know what I mean? Or they don't you know they don't know the, the science behind it or how or what hamburger you enjoy more. Or what 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 soda goes best with what burger? Like they, they, you know what I mean? It's also a matter of oversaturation of GameStops. I, you oh, just, absolutely! You just don't need one every fucking six blocks. No, it's like Starbucks. You you, you don't, and um, that's going to cause them to to die there, out. There are malls with more than one GameStop. They yes. Plenty. Uh, Horton Plaza had two of them directly across from each other for the longest Which time. Which is fucking insane. We had two of them on Midway for the longest time. Um, I mean, no one knows what Midway is, but basically Midway is a, a main shopping drag here uh, near where we live. And it's, um, I mean, literally you could walk from the one GameStop to the other GameStop in 10 minutes. So then they had to close one. because what's Yeah, the they closed one. Um, another thing would be, uh, they constantly profit wise are, and we talked about this, um, on a, on a previous podcast about how insane it is. They're constantly shooting themselves in the foot on profits. We discussed this when we talked about the circle of life. The circle. Okay. So a company like that makes the most money 
on used game sales. Sure. Yet they constantly put their newest games on sale for like two weeks. Uh, you know, from fifty nine ninety nine, they regularly drop these games, these new games that have been out for maybe a month, to thirty nine ninety nine, brand new, while still charging fifty two ninety nine for a used copy. Doesn't make any sense. How the fuck are they going to make money on that? So that's just that's just bad, bad policy. So what places like uh, what we do, um, and I don't, and I'm sure other mom and pop shops have things they do just like this. Is okay, a brand new game comes out, and, and this is one of the worst things GameStop ever did. And this is another reason why I think mom and pop shops, you know, do well. GameStop started putting all their trade-in prices and cash prices online. You can literally pull up the GameStop website and go, what will I get in cash or what will I get in credit for this? So what we do is we pull that up and we beat it by two to five bucks. Sure. And then instead of selling that used copy for fifty-four ninety-nine of that brand new game, we sell it for forty-four ninety-nine because we have less overhead. So immediately we're beating a GameStop we're beating the new price of a game by 15 bucks. We're beating GameStop by 10 bucks, And now people will come to us not just for retro, which they don't even offer. Uh-huh. Well, but they will come. Yeah. yeah, but that's a whole nother fucking story. Got a good juicy one on that for next podcast. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Really good Is juicy Ian one. teasing? Ian never teases topics for no. next podcast. We have a good one. Um, I don't fucking know about this. I'm the first one. You're finding out what I'm finding that out. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about it. Oh, that. Jesus Christ. We'll, we'll well, it's, it's just a podcast that, you know, we do. But We'll, okay. we'll work that one. Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so I think these are all these are all parts of it. I think yeah. knowledgeable employees, the breadth of software um, that you get at a, at a mom and pop shop, um, and the fact that we fucking make better financial decisions in places like GameStop. And also... Mom and pop shops aren't on every corner. They probably treat your employees better. Yeah, you treat your employees better, and uh, we don't force you, shit on customers. Yeah, you don't, and, exactly. You don't sign up for the power up card, pre order five fifty thousand games. I just want to buy something. And we have two locations in San Diego that are spread out. People have to travel to us. That's more money supporting each location as opposed to trying to fucking support, you know, so, 25 locations in San Diego. So Luna's going to expand across the U.S., is that what you're saying? Yeah, we're taking over. We're taking over. Last question. And by the way, you, if you want to ask the question, it's patreon.com slash podcast. The last, this is uh, the last one here. Hi, gentlemen. This is Sean from Youngstown, Ohio. And I'm curious, uh, as a kid, uh, during a heated match of Mike Tyson's punch-out, after losing to Mike Tyson, I was so upset that I threw my Nintendo controller into a wall and left Jesus. a big dent into it. <laughs> so, gentlemen, fuck? my question for you is, what's the most physical amount of damage you've done to, hopefully not humans, but done to something in a fit of video game rage? Keep up the great work with the podcast, and it's nice to hear, Ian, that you're doing better, or at least it seems like you're doing better, but yeah. keep I'm, going. I'm I know trying. Chronic illnesses are a real pain. Take care, all. Well, Sean, I think you're a juvenile delinquent, uh, <laughs> and you should have been thrown you know, into, into the county, you know, whatever the county school for, for troubled children. Jesus Christ, you threw your controller into the wall because of Mike Tyson's punch-out? Wow. I actually think that's a more common 
practice than um, than most would think. But uh, I'm trying to think, of what, the Nintendo era. When I got older, like competitive, like hell, I'll say it. Worms Armageddon. I played. I was like ranked at one point. Like they had that world ranking. So I got pissed when I lost those matches. It's a hell of a game. Fucking awesome game. So I I watched. Uh, a, sh- a guy in in my neighborhood get pissed at. Um, I actually almost want to say it's, it was Super Punch Out, but I'm I'm gonna say that maybe that influenced me. It might have been a sports game, but I clearly remember him taking a Super Nintendo controller and whipping it so hard into the brick fireplace that it shattered the controller oh and the buttons God. went everywhere. The most violent I've ever gotten, most damage I've ever done. Um, I tend not to be really violent. Uh, I'm not a violent person. But when I get frustrated, I will throw sometimes my controller up in the air. Just a little bit. I'll be like, ah, Jesus Christ, like this. And then it will fall gently back in my lap because I do not want to damage you, I, it. I've seen you do that. Yeah, and I don't want to hurt anyone. So I'll be it's like... It's cute. I throw it up in the air and then I try to gingerly catch it. Well, there have been a number of times where I've thrown it up in the air and looked up like... And it's hit me in the face. Okay. So I've hit myself in the face with a lot of controllers. My dad used to throw the controller down when I was beating him a double dribble. Uh, I, I, I don't know why. He only played, the only games he ever played with me were Top Gun, mm-hmm. which he bought for himself because the movie was huge, and I'm glad they're doing Top Gun 2. I will be there to see it. Top Gun 2, Maverick starring Tom Cruise. I will see that. But um, double dribble, which I was we've always brought before. He didn't watch basketball. I didn't play basketball. Why did he buy me double dribble? It was probably on sale. Uh, you know, Toys R Us, he's wanted me to get like a double Oh, I want to pay. And he bought it for me. And he was he was so like I'm goddamn throw the controller down. It's like we're playing double dribble. It it sounds like that one time you rage quit in pro wrestling during. I don't think I, I don't think I rage quit. I think I think I think thousands of viewers. I don't think it was rage quit. I body slammed you like twice, and you were like, "Don't think it was rage quit." I don't recall that. I don't recall that happening at all, sir. Don't recall that. But um, I'm trying to think if I ever actually damaged stuff. I don't think I, no. I was always always too preoccupied with oh my god I can't break my controller. Yeah, I just slam my hand. I actually hurt my arm before just like slamming out my hand or something. I, like that. I, I will hurt my leg sometimes. Like if I'm playing, what, Smack it's, those meaty thighs. It, it's, it's 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 a typical response when I'm playing shooters. Okay, I will slap my thigh. Be like, that's like old, oldie time. Yeah, dag nabbit, dag And when it gets really really sore, that's when I generally stop. <laughs> Nice red, pink ass, uh, pink ass thighs. Pinball generally gets me a little more worked up. That's why I'm uh, real happy for sturdy crossbars. I oh, would generally slam, slap the crossbars. Oh, really? Yeah. So I don't do that. I, I when I see people do that, I go, I like, ooh, that's a that's a that's a high, well oiled machine there. It's a lot of work. Well, you don't have to put a lot of force into it to have it make a satisfying sound. So really, it's just like how's your pinball machine doing, by the way? It um. Is it working? It works. I just you never play it. I well, no. I need to get the score reels replaced on it. Oh, okay. And the local guy will do it for me, but I don't exactly have the extraneous cash for new. Oh, the expensive, expensive. The yeah, the the, uh, the digital score lights are expensive what, for the seven, uh, for a Paragon. When I when I move, I'll, I will finally get my pinball machine that I want. I still want to try the Big Lebowski one to see if it's good. All right, so thanks for the questions. We have more, but Ian's, Ian's in a little bit of pain, and we'll just save him for next time. Go to uh, patreon.com slash podcast if you want to support us, you want to see the full video podcast. 
it's a, it's a full. It's this is one long podcast we cut up in parts, and you can leave us a question or comment. Uh, so that's our podcast. Yeah, we didn't do a bad job. Uh, like us on Facebook. No, we're not on Facebook. We don't have. A, we don't have a. Oh, someone started a CU Podcast Nation Facebook page. Oh, really? I think I, I think someone said they were going to start that. I think we're on Reddit too. But um, uh, we're on Stitcher and Podbean and iTunes, Google Play. Uh, subscribe, leave a comment, like us. That helps a lot. We have the Patreon, patreon.com slash CU Podcast. If you want to advertise with us, it's uh, CU Podcast at thepunkeffect.com. Reach 30,000 people. Some of some of them that like us, some of us that hate us. But we, they keep listening anyway. We got a lot of haters out there, Ian. A lot of people that are making their videos and giving us the business. No, people like us, too. People like us, too. I'm more concerned with them. Those are the people that actually meet. And they're not, they're not, uh, you know, they're friendly mm-hmm. and they actually, you know, they're actually unique and they're fruitful society members. They're like, they, <laughs> they contribute. They're okay. not, that's, that's what I mean. Those okay. are people I care about. I don't no. care about the other, the denizens. Of the world. You're focusing too much on it. The denizens? And, and don't make me laugh. So oh, oh, I, 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 laughing I, cannot happen. I anymore. do it every now and then. All right. I'm going to go get, uh, I got to drop Ian off. Uh, then I'm going to go get some Wendy's chili. I uh, hope it's open right now. So for Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Contry. Thanks a lot for supporting us. It means a lot. It does. And give a shout out to CFOs on uh, Twitter for the awesome podcast theme, which they are going to have up on iTunes once they figure out things here and there. And I'll have it up on YouTube uh, after that at some point. Both versions of it I'll have on. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh, See you podcast time. <laughs> See you later.